Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with two co-hosts. First, Todd Atkins. What? And Dan Eiten. Hey. And today, we are talking about how to get the most out of your team meetings. So, we've all been in meetings that we wish were already over or maybe were never scheduled or could have been an email. So, we are trying to get to the heart of how to get the most out of those team meetings. So, Dan, you want to kick us off with question number one? Yeah. So regardless of whether you have staff or you have volunteers, team meetings, um, uh, Todd, why are they important to the local church? Well, I mean, uh, meetings are typically how things are decided and then moved forward through assignment and due dates and homework between meetings. Um, You should not have a meeting to decide on what the question or the point of the meeting is, which is what I feel like half the time happens. Meetings are for decisions and action. And so if you're, if they're just set on a given schedule, they can quickly become just part of what you do and they derail, they drift. And so part of the people listening to this, it may be, a lot of things they intuitively know or have intentionally done in the past, but they've, they're experiencing meeting drift with their meetings, especially in this day and age, because so many of our meetings are hybrid meetings and everything else. So that's why they're important because that's how things get decided and done. You know, I, I think what was interesting is Dan was even setting it up because meetings with the local church, you have your, you, you might be the staff, those who throughout the week you can gather together, but also for volunteers, uh, you know, there's, there's importance of meetings to gather those who are serving outside of your paid staff that are important. And I think that's, you know, that's a really a difficult thing to do is to get all of those people together. But even at that, like, why is it important to also think of not just those who are on your paid staff, but also volunteers, you know, why is it important to gather those people together as well? Well, again, It's about clarity of decision and getting things done. When a decision, when one key, I actually, a part of it is direction too, if I want to add another D. Because if we all know the direction and we're really clear on that, then the decisions are made and the decisions become easier in carrying out what needs to be done. Because, you know, I don't have to wait until the next meeting to get, you know, an assignment, for instance, if I already know the direction that we're going and the decision that we've ultimately made, it makes, it allows me to make quick informed decisions that are in alignment with the direction that we're, that we're going. So everybody's able to carry that forward. I do think it's important to think about the different types of meetings because, you know, right now we're talking about a group meeting, whether that be staff or for most of our listeners, they're probably in a smaller to mid-sized church and half of those meetings are, or most of those meetings are going to be with key leaders and volunteers. And so, you know, there's check-in meetings or one-on-ones with your volunteers or your staff. And there's the, the tactical things that need to be addressed, but I would prefer to keep the tactical in the stream of thought or no, the stream of getting it done. I think in the past, the reason why you had committees and you had the hierarchy hierarchy and structure and decision rights and 
Robert's rules of order and all of that is because you had enough time between things to make sure things were being done decently in order. And these days I would say, no, meetings need to be more strategic and that the tactical stuff can be handled through Slack or through some tool that helps us keep short accounts and moving forward. It's asynchronous yeah. um, versus we all have to be the same place at the same time. So like, let's use this for strategy and review. Like we review what happened since and we make decisions and continue to set direction. And if we need to make adjustments, we, we make the adjustments before the next one. I think one of the, one of the important things too, having come from a church plant, you know, where most of my stuff was with team leaders is having meetings with them where we would talk about strategic issues or directions we wanted to go to allowed for us to hear their input and, and make good decisions of whether, you know, sometimes it was me and the lead pastor in a vacuum of thinking, oh, this is the right direction for the church. But having, you know, some of those meetings with our team leaders would allow us to refine or to even just change our, our thought altogether of direction uh, based on their input. So I thought that was really important to, to get together with those, you know, key leaders in my church to, to get their true insights and thoughts moving forward. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, as, as Todd was talking about asynchronous communication outside of meetings, there's been a lot of disruptors to team meetings over the past three years. Of course, I mean, <laughs> COVID was a big one, but that also opened up uh, a lot of people to reevaluate what was on the calendar. Hey, why do we have this standing meeting? Could it actually be better uh, as a check-in over uh, Teams or Slack? Uh, so, really coming back to why are we doing these meetings? You know, is it you know, Dan is what you're just talking about? You have your team leaders and volunteers who are scattered throughout the week. Well, guess what? You're thinking about what your kids' ministry needs to look like on Sunday, but it's easy for them just to show up. So, you're trying to get everybody on the same page, cast that vision. Uh, just as I was talking about meeting drift, it's it's also just you know, mission drift. It's, you know, they can drift away and just be doing the monotonous of, of serving or serving in their small group. So you're bringing back and always coming back to the main vision, casting that in front of them. So, you know, you just want to gather those people up and, and be able to uh, share with them what's, you know, what's going on also hear from them. So a lot there that we could keep talking about the importance, but if you're listening to this, you're probably looking for some best practices, trying to figure out, you know, what does this actually look like? So let's, let's go to a little bit more practical here. What are the best practices or opposing views when it comes to getting the most out of your team meetings? Okay. So I think we need to look at this in twofold. Okay. And if you all disagree with me, that's fine because you can say, Hey, we don't have enough time to tackle both of these. But I like thinking about the one-on-one -on -one meeting and I like thinking about the team meeting, team or staff meeting. Honestly, I think establishing different types of meetings is important for different types of things. So in the life of your church, if you're going to establish vision, then that's like an annual or twice a year thing. And it's all your leaders. If it is more strategic in nature, where we're doing things with specific ministry areas and we're potentially having some more ongoing training, then yeah, that's something that could be quarterly or even monthly. And then finally, and, and that focuses on that type of thing. And then finally, I think the one-on-one -on -one or one-on small, one-to-team, if you've got layers of teams, those should be done from a development standpoint and really to check in and make sure somebody's continuing to grow or you're able to address any issues. And that can be, should probably be a, a, a monthly thing. And 
really focus on that individual or that individual team. It depends on how you want to break that down. You know, you were talking about different types of meetings. So what the purpose behind, so when somebody's trying to figure out, Hey, should this be a meeting? So we're talking about best practices or opposing views. I feel like uh, one of the opposing views of getting the most out of your team meetings, we have all been a part of meetings where we're like, man, what was the purpose behind this? <laughs> Why are we even having this meeting is trying to filter out what is the purpose behind this and actually, you know, writing out the, maybe it's the agenda beforehand. So how, you know, if you guys are putting a, you know, trying to figure out, is this a meeting? Is this an email? What are some filters, maybe some best practices of, of determining what type of meeting this should be? What is actually happening in this meeting? How should somebody who's, you know, looking for a best practice on this filter through some of those, those questions to figure out what is the end result that we need to gather people together for? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, when I think about team meetings, it's, you know, there's, if you look online and Google, you know, what does it look like to lead a good team meeting? You get, you know, some answers like there should be four P's of purpose, planning, <laughs> your preparation and um, participation. You get four C's of clarity, commitment, contribution, and concerns. Um, I think those are, you know, kind of the basics of, you know, what you should do to lead a good team meeting. But I think kind of going to your point, Chandler, I think there is a sense and part of this depends on the size of your church potentially. Um, but you know, there was a, you know, my staff team at, at restoration city church, we had a standing team meeting every week where we would talk about the upcoming service. We talk about the things that we're all working on the different ministry areas. Um, that was our current meeting. If you're at a smaller church where it's all volunteers, you might not have that meeting. Um, that's on a weekly basis. You might do that on a monthly basis or something like that. You know, like Todd said, there's also stand-up meetings. I, from my time in politics, I loved those where we would just gather in a room together quickly talk about what everybody was doing just so everyone was on the same page and move on from that. I think that's, I love stand-up meetings. I feel like Todd, you probably could talk more about this, but I feel like those meetings are really quick, informative, and to the point. And that's why you're not seated during those meetings. And then like, you know, Todd said, the one-on-ones, uh, like that's where I would dig in, especially with my ministry era leaders in the church. That's where I would dig in more of like, you know, what are we doing in this area? Like my outreach director, we would sit down, you know, every couple of weeks and talk about the progress we're making on upcoming events and, um, you know, what the different ministries we're working with are doing doing and, but also development for them as a person, how they're growing in their leadership, how they're leading their team that they're overseeing and all that sort of stuff. But Todd, what, what kind of, what's your thoughts on all that? If you open the door for me to talk about standups, that's always a good thing for me. There is a, there is a 90 second leadership on traditional versus standup meetings that, you know, I think breaks it down um, pretty well. But it really is the sitting down or the stand-up meeting. A, a sitting down meeting is usually a 30-minute meeting, sometimes an hour, heaven forbid, two hours. But uh, the big thing that I would say that the difference is a stand-up, you are talking about this is what I worked on you know, the previous day or the previous several days. Here's what I'm working on today. Here's the things that are uh, obstacles or blockers. It does come from the world of technology and development, but it's very, very useful for churches. I can remember doing these when we were launching a new campus and it was almost daily 
that we were having a stand up. And they're so beneficial because everybody then quickly knows what's going on. You, they're never more than 15 minutes. Everybody knows what's going on. And if uh, something arises that two people in the room uh, need to talk about, then they can go have that conversation afterward. So if you have a 30 minute block in your calendar, it's only like 15 for us all to, you know, get together and, and, and uh, go around, around the circle. Um, and then we're taking that next 15 minutes to catch up with the other people and tackle whatever needs to be tackled so we can, you know, get the ball down the field. So th- that is a massive best practice. The one thing that you could do from this podcast already and apply to your church is to say, okay, when am I using a sit down meeting when a stand up meeting is more appropriate? Because if you do a sit down meeting, I guarantee you, you will take all that time. You'll, if, if it's an hour, then your meeting's going to last an hour. And it, it, it is that way. Um, now I will say this, the most interesting thing to me right now when it comes to meetings is the relational part. Because in the past, if you rewind four years and you ask me the same question, I would talk about, oh, you know, the meeting is not the time or the place to talk about, you know, the sports or our dogs or fill in the blank, you know, um, because we have an agenda we need to make sure that we hit the things on the agenda. That's, that's, that's the most important thing. Today is different because half of our meetings are not in the presence of other people. They're, you know, a Zoom meeting or you've got half the room is not there. They're somewhere else uh, and they're Zooming in. So it's, it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Okay, well, how do we intentionally use that time to have relational grease that helps, you know, the cogs of the organization move forward. That's one of my biggest concerns with the hybridization of work is what does that do to our relationships and the meetings and the speed of getting things done? Uh, It's beautiful in many ways, uh, but in some ways we have to then actually be intentional about bringing in some of that back into the agenda Uh, again. Mm -hmm. So, if you've heard me talk about this before years ago, you probably are saying, Hey, you're saying two different things, but a lot has happened over the last three years. Very true. And I think that's necessary now. Yeah. I was going to go back to Dan. You were talking about, you know, gathering, you know, different groups of people and, and Todd, as you were talking about, even with launching a campus, I, I think defining those types of meetings, uh, maybe it's even on the front end, maybe it's a meeting that's popped up. It's not a standing meeting. So let's say, you're coming into it. I think you need to define, is this a brainstorming meeting or is this tactical? We're getting things done because those around the table are going to respond differently. So if we're in a brainstorm and we're saying, Hey, what does it look like as we launch this new campus? Maybe, maybe it's outreach ideas. Okay. Well, if it's a brainstorming meeting, we're okay to chase rabbits. So it's okay for us to dive a little bit deeper into all of these different ideas. But if this is a tactical, we have decided on what our strategy is, now it's time to assign work. That's very different. So you're setting expectations around the table to say, we're trying to get this done. We're, we're looking for action items. So that, that's a big piece. Uh, as you guys were sharing, I was, I was thinking, you know, that's, that's helpful just to even define what is the purpose of this kind of, you know, put some rails around it. But then also, maybe it's those standing meetings, and you guys were talking about decision rights. 
you know, what type of decisions are being made in this meeting? So, um, you know, if we're, if we're going to go, maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's at Lifeway, if it's a, a director level meeting, those are different decisions that are being made about maybe vision and strategy and where we're going than a lower level meeting where we're trying to get more tactical. Okay, here's where we're going. Let's figure out how we actually get there. So even understanding what type of decisions are being made in, in this meeting as well. So just finding ways to define and put parameters around those different types of items. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think it's really important to let your participants know in advance what type of meeting that's going to be. So they can, they, you know, that you have an agenda, you have a purpose. They come in knowing, oh, we're brainstorming on this today. Let me think in advance or, hey, this is going to be a really tactical meeting about how we're going to pull off Easter Sunday. Like they know that and can can be prepared uh, is going to make your meeting a lot more effective as well. But let's dive into the third question of, you know, what are some real life examples of leading a team meeting well? And let's let's talk at least start this with just a team meeting. Let's say you've got your staff together or your key volunteers together. What is some real life examples of a really good team meeting? What does that kind of look like? Todd? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Are you saying what's the ideal or what do I actually do half the time? (laughs) <laughs> those are two what different should, things <laughs> and you what, guys what should you do <laughs> um, what you should do is you sh- you should definitely have uh, an agenda in place and so earlier when I was talking about um, meetings I-, I feel like sometimes people don't even ask they don't know what questions they're asking until they get to the meeting mm-hmm. so it's not bad to, to um, ask a question in a meeting and have a Uh, discussion and dialogue around something, but you need to know what the purpose is. You need to know upfront, this is the subject of the meeting. So for me, I know that there's going to be, if I'm gathering together our group for just a weekly meeting, that's different than a strategy meeting. Now, some people will combine both of those and that's fine. And in that sense, we're, we're going through the tactical Um, and it's really keeping everybody on the same page and moving forward, but we should at least have one agenda item there. That's very clear that we're going to be processing and walking through, uh, as well. So it may look like a bunch of check-ins and then boom. Okay. Now we're here to discuss this. So different people may be, uh, on point, you know, at different, um, different weeks to bring an update on their specific area um, of ministry or whatever. But ultimately we need to get to the second part of the meeting, which is the more strategic uh, part. And then think about, you know, what's going to be done before the next step. I mean, part of the issue with most meetings, why people feel like they're a waste of time is they don't get anywhere. They don't move things forward in order to move things forward. We need to state, okay, this is what we all know and agree on. This is what we still need to figure out. This is the point person that is going to figure out this thing. We have three of those, you know, these are the three things that we still need to figure out or we need to double check or whatever it is, um, assign those and have those people due dates. And either they bring that back to the next meeting or they throw it in Slack or Microsoft teams or whatever you're, your organization uses to communicate text, 
um, whatever it is to keep everybody moving forward. That is, you know, if, if I'm doing one meeting a week, that's my perfect meeting. And then occasionally we've got to get away to have longer conversations about strategy. That's like advanced planning, things that we're, we've got either really big projects that we just need to get together for a couple hours and wrestle down or, you know, we're planning for the next year, things like that. Yeah. I feel like nothing frustrates a participant more than leaving a meeting feeling like, what are the next steps? Like who's doing what, or you think you have what the next step is and somebody else walked away with a completely different idea or different understanding of what the solution came to. So I think being really crystal clear of who's doing what, what's left over there, all, all what you said, Todd is, is so really important. Yeah. You know, I was, I was going to say, even in this, uh, you know, real life examples, I think even trying to figure out if you were to look at the calendar of, let's just go, if you're serving at a, at a church in your ministry calendar, it could just be set meetings. So every, every Monday we have a staff or maybe it's every Tuesday, we have a staff meeting Monday or some check-ins, uh, maybe Wednesday is a worship service planning meeting. So maybe just take a look at those real life examples. Maybe, maybe one way to do this is, okay, is there a way to actually give some even ex extra context to each of these staff meetings. So maybe on the first, first meeting of every month, we're going to use this as a period of 30 minutes is going to be set aside for staff development. So maybe we're going to read a book together and we're going to talk about that. Second week, we're going to look at the month ahead. So, you know, we're, we're casting vision. This is a time where everybody's together. We're looking long term ahead, um, but we are, you know, defining what's happening in the meeting agenda. Maybe the third week, maybe it's we're looking back and we're saying, hey, what what worked the past month? And then the fourth week, maybe it's just maybe we're celebrating wins or, or different ways. So just finding ways to take maybe it's the monotonous part of the meetings that can just continue on and on and on and giving a little bit, you know, direction to those. Uh, another, you know, piece of piece of advice I've heard from a few other pastors is also change up where the meetings are happening. So maybe if you, if your staff meeting is always happening in the same conference room, maybe it's a good idea to go to a different room in the church. Maybe it's a good idea to do a little bit of an offsite uh, just to get a little bit of the creative uh, flow. Maybe you're, you're thinking you want to, this is a creative type of meeting. So let's go somewhere that is creative. Uh, maybe we're talking about Easter and we really want to be thinking in, in some different ways, move the meeting. So just finding ways to change it up as well. Um, but Todd, I also wanted to, you know, when we talk real life examples, you've shared this before, but, you know, we're talking about getting the most out of your team meetings. There's also a point, you know, when it comes to development, maybe somebody who's not in the room, maybe it's a, it's a meeting where you want to bring somebody in and you kind of have, right. a, you know, three different options to be able to bring somebody in. Maybe, maybe just walk through. I think this is a good example for somebody to also take and it's a practical step to use. Yeah. So um, I think you're talking about voice vote view. Yep. Okay. So this would be especially if there was, if there's somebody that we're developing, it didn't always have to be like a nail biter of a meeting where we knew we were going to have conflict, but especially if we knew we were going to be wrestling through something, we would invite additional people into the room. Some of those people had a voice and a lot of those people just had a view. And that may sound, especially in this day and age with all the, the craziness that goes on with uh, power struggles in churches and people doing things they shouldn't. 
that may sound too harsh, but the point was, hey, there are people that are seated around the table that have decision rights. They have a vote. There are people that we're bringing in because they have a specific v- uh, voice into a certain area of ministry or specific projects we're working on or whatever it is. Like the, we need their, that person's voice in order to make a good decision, in order for the vote to happen well. Um, and then finally, you had the view. And this was, you may not even be at the table. You may be seated, you know, on the walls around the room, or you might be at the table, but you know, you're prepped. Unless somebody asks you, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you just have a view into this, and it's strategic. It's strategic for a ton of reasons. The biggest reason is development, because we want people to see what healthy conflict looks like, because we often had healthy conflict where we're wrestling through things. So, you know, because we might, this might be um, theological, it might be opinion, it might be like fill in the blank, but there's some wrestling sometimes that goes on there. Um, So seeing that take place is important, as well as, you know, being able to debrief with a person afterward. Like, don't just bring them in and not debrief with them. Everything is a coaching moment. Anything in a meeting, like after your meeting is a coaching moment. You need to ask yourself, hey, from a situational leadership perspective, is there something that I can go back with any one of these people that was in the meeting and coach them up on something or point something out to them or encourage them? Because coaching is not just critique. It is also encouragement. Hey, man, I've really seen you step up your game and presentation skills. Or, hey, half your slides had mistakes on them. You said, um, 14 times. Whatever it is, um, that's an opportunity. But the voice vote view thing in particular was also beneficial. Going back to that for a moment, it was also really beneficial for communication throughout the organization. Because I don't care whether you're in a big church or a small church, everybody has a dependent on the way they make decisions. And if you're part of the team that makes the decision, then you're the they in this scenario. And Mm -hmm. it really keeps people from thinking that, you know, you're making decisions in a vacuum because there's other people that are carrying that forward. Now you have to be careful on who you're bringing into that conversation, Mm -hmm. that they have good emotional intelligence and spiritual maturity, and they're not just, you know, going to use that. But it's also beneficial because you know that they're going to go out and talk to other people. Or if somebody makes an incorrect assumption They're going to say, no, I was there and this is what was said or no, I was there and this is the way that, you know, that that this was carried forward. Yeah. And I think that's one last thought on that. We'll go to the next question. But just what you just said there. And that's, of course, bringing someone in. But let's just say in a generic, you know, you're not bringing someone in. I think anytime, especially if it's a higher layer of leadership, how are you distilling those type of conversations and decisions down so that others know what's taking place? So, you know, I know finding ways to summarize meetings is is super helpful. There are now tools that will do that. Let's say you are uh, on a Zoom call. There are tools that will actually help you summarize, but just finding ways to say, here's what we discussed Here's action points, but also we are sharing that with others in the organization. So what you just said, it's not happening in a vacuum. Um, it's not like, well, we talked about that in this meeting. Well, they weren't there and they, they don't know what was decided there. So to help 
understand what's happening, you know, finding ways to communicate that throughout the organization is, is really helpful. All right. So somebody may be listening to this and there is a, there is a big difference between meetings in a, a larger church context and a smaller church context. And somebody may be listening to this and going, man, we are a team of one pastor and one part-time, um, you know, staff member. Our meetings look very different. You know, there's not really all these different types of meetings because it's just me or me and another person. There's also those listening who do have a, a larger staff. How does this work in those different types of contexts? I, I think there's some things that stay the same, regardless of whether you're big or small. Like I think there still needs to be purpose. You need to have the agenda planned out. You need to have the idea of, is this a tactical or strategic or a vision meeting? Like having those sort of things set up, but you're right. A smaller church is likely going to have a lot less team meetings you know, than they do, than a, than a big church does, you know, like planning the worship service is probably just going to be the pastor at a smaller church and at a bigger church, it might involve, you know, 13 people, um, trying to figure out those things. So it does change in that, that regard. Um, but I do think there are some things that, that probably need to stay the same. There probably needs to be leadership development of your people, pouring into your people, helping them grow, whether that's a staff or whether that's volunteer. I think there's, you know, remembering to seek the Lord in prayer together as you make big decisions, you know, trying to, again, have action steps and accountability for what's next. I think those things all kind of stay the same regardless of, of size. You know, one of my first thoughts is, uh, you know, I've, I've served on, on both sides of that where it's a large church and a small church. And one of the things that I've found very helpful is almost creating and we've talked about this with volunteers and key leaders. Um, if, if you want more input into decisions, if you want other voices, you can uh, ask other key leaders, uh, trusted voices. Uh, of course, that could be, you know, your, your elder team, uh, or it could be you've created, maybe it's smaller groups of people where you're meeting and you say, Hey, we want to have more voices when it comes into the worship team, uh, the worship uh, services. So let's create a team of, Maybe it's a few people who are very creative, a few who can you know, speak into the music side of things. So finding ways, if you're in a smaller church context, to still create some teams that can be more voices into the decision making. Um, and of course, just Dan, is like you said, the, the basics are still there, um, but how it functions will be a little bit different. Ty, what do you think? I think meetings are really important in both settings. I think they're both really focused on bringing clarity to everyone, uh, bring shared clarity, shared conviction. You know, I, I could come up with more C's if you'd like. But <laughs> the big thing for me is where where the rubber meets the road is in both contexts. Maybe especially this is even more important in smaller church contexts is you must be intentional with the meeting. The cardinal sin of the modern day is wasting someone's time. Never have people been more busy, yet more pe <laughs> yet those same people, if they look at the, the time spent on their phone, <laughs> um, I guarantee you they're wasting a lot of time as well, but they have no time to give. But anyway, the, the big thing is in those settings, you, ha you can't waste people's time. I mean, from a large church setting, you could say, oh, well, that's easier because I'm actually paying these people to be here 
they have to come to the meeting. Hmm. They, this is part of their job. And I'm like, well, then you can slip into being a very poor steward really quickly. On the flip side, in a smaller church setting, you're probably not paying any of these people to be here. And so there's a huge opportunity cost for them to make the time to be there. So do not waste their time. In both settings, be really intentional. Make sure you have that agenda in place. Make sure you have things I already have in my brain. Thank you for this podcast because I have a new tool that's in my head that we're going to make right after this. <laughs> and, and, and by that, I mean, Dan's going to help me flesh this out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, because whether you're in a big church or a smaller church there, you know, for all, a lot of us, for me, the reason why I'm good at making frameworks is if you knew me well, you would know I need a framework in order to accomplish something. I need steps in order to be able to accomplish something. Otherwise, I'll spend you know time chasing uh, five different things. I think one other thing that I found interesting, you know, because Chandler, like you, I've worked in both a really large church and a small church plant. Um, I feel like with a small church, sometimes meetings are meant to facilitate community. Um, like I felt the pressure sometimes if I don't have something major for my team, my, my team of volunteers, um, but I want them to get together because I hear often that, you know, I don't know what's going on in outreach anymore, or I haven't seen this person in two months. Cause you know, over Thanksgiving and Christmas, we didn't meet now it's January. Um, where sometimes, you know, like it doesn't need to be a meeting. It could just be, Hey, we're all just going to get together after church and go to lunch together and catch back up as, mm. as individuals. Um, so I feel like with a big church, you know, where you're going and seeing each other every day, um, in, in a church building is a little bit different than that small church context, but don't try to do a team meeting just cause you feel that need to gather everyone together. Um, cause I feel like I've probably wasted a couple of meetings where my people left frustrated cause I just was like, let's get back together just so that we all can say that we met. So just something else to think about within that context. But as we, as we transition to the last question, um, Todd Chandler, are there any other resources or final thoughts that you guys want to share on this topic? I've got a couple. I mean, if you want to go the the classic route in the business world, the new modern classic, of course, is Death by Meeting by Lencioni. It's a great book. Of course, you know, he he has a narrative that he follows, but then brings out really practical pieces after that. Um, I would also say you can go back in time and look at like Carl George. For you youngins who don't know Carl George, a lot of the people that you listen to today were very moved by some of his stuff or inspired by some of his stuff. Like Vision Huddle Skills is like, I don't know, maybe it's in the 40 years old uh, now thing. And that was, hey, here's three types of meetings. Do you have a vision meeting? Uh, vision meeting is, you know, obvious. We're casting vision. We're trying to get everybody around the same thing. Huddle is more that community element. And here's, you know, good ideas for huddle type meetings. And then there's skills. And skills is really about training and development. You hear those kinds of things repeated today, but it'd be cool to go back and look at some of those um, originals as well. So all the old, all the old dudes had a lot of good stuff to say about meetings. And honestly, I think the books 
there needs to be new books written now. Um, there's not many subjects uh, in leadership that need new books, but meetings might be one considered where we are in the modern day. And I don't know, like I'm inspired now to go write a couple things, one of which is, is going to be a tool. I was just going to say, I think one of the one of the first things that pops into my mind, of course, there's books that you can you can reference as well. What I keep coming back to is some sort of project management software. And I think uh, if you talk to many churches, they do have something along these lines. Some of it is you're just using Google or Microsoft, which is totally great. But there are tools such as Basecamp, Asana. Uh, some churches use Notion. But finding ways to, it's a great place to document what's happening. Of course, you could do that for projects. So if it is, uh, maybe there's an Easter project that you're working on, that's a great place to, you can easily assign tasks out of meetings, but it's also a great place to put the agenda of the meeting, a recap, uh, next steps. Um, but you can also create, I, I've talked to a few churches who actually use it each week. So it's, it's where they're going back to. So there's just a, a template for recapping of Sunday morning and thinking ahead. So all the notes. So if somebody right after Sunday, they just drop in all of their notes before they forget about them so that everyone on the team can see them. And then when they come back, they can, they can already be prepped. So it's a good place for all of your resources for those meetings to live and for action items to live as well. So that's just where my first thought went. Some yeah. some sort of project management software. I think along with that too, Chandler. Um, you know something that you and I use a lot is Loom or or which is a screen recording. A uh, thing that you can put on your computer. Um, I know there's other um, companies out there that do the similar things, but um, you know, a lot of times we say this could have been an email instead of a meeting. Um, a lot of times you can do a screen record of something you want to communicate across your team, uh, send it to them, and they can watch it in their own time as well. It can be super helpful. But one other mm-hmm. resource that I'm excited about that we have just created here is if you're if you're struggling with the hey, I want to do more leadership development with my team, I want to kick off my team meeting with a short um, conversation and discussion about things that are going to grow them, grow our church, help us with our vision, um, help us, you know, in a number of different areas. We've just created uh, a 90 second leadership starters, uh, which basically is a video um, that you can either watch yourself and share with your team. That's 90 seconds that then has some discussion questions that you guys can walk through on a wide range of different topics, or you could take that and you know watch it yourself make it fit your own context and bring those kind of same ideas to your team meetings Uh, but we've created that where you can come in and we've got 52 different uh things that you could use in 52 weekly meetings if you guys have that um if you want more information on it you can go to leadership.lifeway.com slash starters again that's leadership.lifeway.com slash starters we'd love for you to take a look at that resource todd do you want to talk anything about uh that with us? Yeah. I mean, the reason why this is coming up is especially post COVID as I'm out and around at conferences or whatever, somebody will come up to me and say, Hey, I use those to start my staff meetings. Or they'll say, I really liked, you know, truth and love. I've used the truth and love in a quadrant. I don't know how, you know, to have strategic conversations or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, well, this is, I'm hearing this again and again. So it would be great for us to put that in a context into not a context, um, allow people to contextualize those 
but give them a five question, you know, kind of framework or a couple of question framework that they can walk through with their team to get things moved forward. I remember my voice is not near as deep. It's deeper today for some reason, but it's not near as deep as John Maxwell. And I can remember as a, a young uh, leader in a church setting, you know, listening to John Maxwell tapes and filling in the blank as a staff. This is way shorter than that. Um, this allows you, if you want to, you can just completely rip off the the quadrant or the visual and draw it up on the whiteboard yourself and, you know, pass out the questions or, or just ask a question. But that's what they're intended for. They're meant to be catalysts of conversation. They're meant to provide you and your team with a shared clarity and then also hey, how do we move this forward or, or what's next? What changes? And so I think that's why it's it's a, a valuable little tool. And that's how I would use it. So that's the, the thing is, I, what I want you to understand, whether it's development or something else that you feel like, man, I'd really like to add this to my church, but I don't want to add another meeting. What this allows you to, to do is to add that development element without having to add another meeting because it's either a starter or if you want to completely go crazy and use it as a finisher, I don't care. But it's meant to be that thing to say, oh, this is something that I can plug into the regular cadence of meeting that I already have without having to reinvent the wheel or having to have yet another meeting that is you know, for development or trying to get people to show up. Um, on a Saturday or fill in the blank. So that's why they're they're there and they're free for you guys to use. I don't know if we mentioned that or not, but <laughs> yeah, that should be our free. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, go Chandler, for it. We'll, Chandler, we'll explain to you later what a cassette tape is offline here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. I, I'm still lost. <laughs> well, hey, thank you guys for listening. We, we do hope this has been helpful uh, to you and your leadership and the way that you may view how to lead team meetings. And uh, just as Dan was saying, uh, leadership.lifeway.com slash starters. That will also be in the show notes if you want to find that. But other than that, thanks for joining us. If you did enjoy this conversation, we would love for you to share it with a friend, maybe share it with your team and have discussions about, hey, what are some different ideas that we can take when it comes to our staff meetings? So other than that, we'll see you next time.